Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be It Works, How and Why Studying Commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, It Works, How and Why. Alright folks, this is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there are going to be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text toward reaching those seeking a resource like this. We know if one person benefits from our efforts, we collectively believe, even including us, then our participation was well worth the effort. We're going to start off with our introduction, and then we're going to jump into the text. Get a pen, a highlighter, and get ready to go. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is episode 10, the It Works, How and Why Study for the Anonymous Podcast. We're going to begin the bottom of page 36 for many of us. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Barb, what's happening? Hey, Douglas, it's Barbar in the panhandle of Florida. My clean date is 10 And my home group is Open Mind in New Orleans. Thanks, Barb. What's up, Jane A? Thanks, Douglas. Good evening, everybody. My name is Jane. Clean date is December 22nd, 1979. Um, go to meetings over here in Salem, Oregon, and my home group is the Thursday noon meeting, basic tech study. All right, thanks, Jane. What's up, Lee? Hey, Douglas. Hey, everybody. Lee P. Uh, clean day 82787. I go to meetings in New Orleans and all over the place, and my home group is open mind, Barb. All right. Thanks, Lee. What's up, Jennifer? Hey everyone, my name is Jennifer and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992. I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. My home group is The Journey Within. All right, thanks Jennifer. What's up, Paul? Hi Douglas, I'm Paul, I'm an addict. Uh, I attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana. My clean date is January 6th, 1995. And my home group is Open Mind, Barb and Lee. All right, th thanks Paul. What's up, Christine? Hey there, addict Christine O. Um, my clean day is 3.31.94, and I attend meetings in the Tidewater and Virginia Beach area in Virginia. Thanks, Christine. What's up, Andrew? Hi, guys. My name is Andrew G. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is May 16th, 2008, and uh, my home group is No Matter What in North Atlanta. All right. Thanks, Bruno. I'm addict. Name's Douglas. Got clean March 12th. 2000 in Southwestern PA. I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, here we go. Episode 10, It Works How and Why Study for the Anonymous Podcast. I'm going to begin page 36, all the way at the bottom for many of us. And Barb, would you be willing to start us off? Read those two for many of us and uh, the two paragraphs that follow. Sure, Douglas. For many of us, our motivation to work the fourth step is quite simple. We're working a program of recovery and we want to continue. Because our disease involves much more than our drug use, recovery involves more than simple abstinence from drugs. The solution to our problem is a profound change in our thinking and our behavior. We need to change how we perceive the world and alter our role in it. We need to change our attitude, whether our motivation is a desire to move away from our addiction or to move toward recovery doesn't really matter. The fourth step is a turning point in our journey of recovery. It is a time for deep personal reflection. The confusion that we attempted to mask with self-deception and drugs is about to diminish. 
We are embarking on a search for insight into ourselves, our feelings, our fears, our resentments, and the patterns of behavior that make up our lives. And, um, you know, the first four step I did, well, first I did it when I first came in, I see this girl in a meeting all the time and she would say, um, have you done steps? And I'd say, no. And she'd say, you're staying safe. You're staying clean by the gross, by the grace of God, you know? And so that kind of, she say, she'd say that every week. So that kind of inspired me to, you know, well, let me do this, just cover my ass, do these steps, you know? And I did in the first four step I did it, it was it was literally um it was kind of like a life story and it was like just starting the superficial to peel the onion you know for me it was there was a couple things that happened it wasn't a burning bush but there was that another woman loved me even when I, I you know took that chance and told her some stuff about myself and then she reciprocated and told me some stuff about herself and for me coming from the streets it was like I was stepping back into society and the human race you know and, and one of the most important things I got too was that there were, I was a victim when I came in, but I found out there was a whole bunch of victims and it was, I wasn't one of them. <laughs> they were my victims out there, you know, and that's what I remember about the first four step, you know, and I've done many. And what did they say that, um, you know, drugs are but a symptom, you know, and that's what this is saying. I got to keep peeling that, that layer of the onion until it doesn't even become about drugs as much as it does, you know, me, it's, it's me, it's causes and conditions. It's, it's, I had yesterday, I had a day and I was sitting in open mind last night and this was revealed to me and I'll shut up. I went and I got blood. Needles are a trigger for me. Whenever I get, I don't look cause I was an IV user. I went and gave blood. She had to poke me twice, got it. Then I went and got acupuncture, whole bunch of little needles, you know, and I was sitting in open mind and I thought, you know what, you didn't get triggered. You didn't even give it a second of thought about that. And, you know, that's the miracle of recovery. And then my friend and I were joking and she said it only took 27 years. And I'm like, yeah, but, but you know what, it has been a slow process for me. But, but it just keeps happening. It keeps unfolding. The miracles keep, I get more and more freedom. And it's because like this says, I keep waking up to the stuff of my disease and working on me and doing them four steps over and over. So I'm so grateful for this process, you know. Love you guys. That's it for me. I love you too, Bar. Thanks for those comments. What's up, Jennifer? Thanks, Douglas. This um, reminded me of what we read at the end of the third step last week where it talked about, you know, when we go from living a self-seeking life to a life filled with spiritual principles, it requires a profound change. So I, this language keeps continuing in here, right? So um, the solution to our problem is a profound change in our thinking and our behavior, right? And, and Barb said it, the drugs are just a symptom of my problem. The behavior is what continues to throw me, what continues to um, create, you know, for lack of a better term, bottoms in recovery, right? When I won't let go of a behavior. And, you know, the step, you know, fourth step for me is really you know, you hear it all the time in meetings, the scary four step that, you know what I mean? That, 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 the, you know, where you have to reveal every deep, dark secret that was going to be a skeleton in the closet for the rest of your life. And, and, um, and man, it's just not true. You know, is it, is it frightening sometimes to tell people? And, and I had the same experience with Barb, you know, where I, I was able to share some things with somebody because they shared something with me and that led to the growth and the change for me to be able to like, but really this step, continues to be for me uh, an inventory of me 
you know, and not of others. And I always thought for a long time, right? Like, well, it's just about everybody I'm mad at and everybody that fucked me over and everybody that hurt me and, and victim, 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 victim. And really, this is just an inventory of me. And, and now, fast forward, you know, to where I'm at today, like, you know, it, it does it hurt when I have to inventory myself? Yeah, because I'm not perfect. But man, it is way better than living such a with a heavy load, you know, on my back all the time. And, and, and that profound change in my thinking and my behavior has allowed me to continue to go through this process, even when things come up that aren't pretty, you know, cause I'd like, I mean, I always like to say, like, I'd like to say that at 30 years, like I got this shit covered, but I don't, which is why I'm here today on this study and why I'm doing the work and reading through the literature and working steps with people, you know what I mean? It's like why I keep doing the deal. Right. Cause you know, I'm an addict, you know, my, my thinking gets me in trouble if it's not you know arrested my thought process through the steps so with that i'll pass thanks thanks for those comments jennifer what's up christine hey there when i was um preparing pre-gaming today this first paragraph you know i'm a word junkie I love words and I'm from the Webster days where we had to look everything up. And I, just this one paragraph, I was like, oh my God, profound, perceive, alter, attitude, motivation, desire, all of that in just one paragraph. So I went in and of course was looking at definitions because I always think I know what it means. And even after all this time, I still have skewed ideas of what the real definition is. And, um, you know, I, I talk a lot about perception. I learned through my four step that um, my perception of life was not the same as my sister's perception. <laughs> and it didn't make mine right and hers wrong. It just is what it is. My truth is mine and hers is hers. Um, and when it says in here that, uh, we need to change how we perceive the world and alter our role in it. To um, the definition to perceive, when I looked it up, you know, because I always think it's just how I see things. It's um, just how I see things. But the definition is to become aware through the senses more than how we see. It's not how we see the world, it's how we feel the world. So, that was like so impactful for me because how how I feel about things is generally just over the top. When I see alter, I think I have to fix it, you know, but altering is not fixing. Altering is just to make different without changing into something else. So um, this paragraph just right out of the gate, like just got me because of all the words. I swear I spent like 30 minutes just defining the words. So um, yeah, I just wanted to share that. That's all I got, thanks. Thanks for those comments, Christine. Yeah, while well, I was pre-gaming too, this paragraph kind of threw me off the first paragraph because I think it's so, like the, the first half of it's really deep and the second half, I have a couple question marks on it. So the two points in the first, the first half of the, you know, the first paragraph, that was read, I think it really boils down like the introduction, the first 10 chapters of our basic text, it just boils it down and says, hey, look, here are the, here are the couple of the main ideas. One, it says this, 
it's like, look, recovery involves more than abstinence from drugs. And the basic text is super, super clear through the chapters. It says, look, it's complete abstinence and 12-step work. That's what we look at as recovery within Narcotics Anonymous. All right, and then I'm cool. Like, okay, good. You know, so it reinforces that. And then it talks about like the following sentence. I got a lot of hope out of this. It's like, all right, well, here's the solution. You know, here's the hit. Like my eyes kind of light up and it's like, look, this is a, it's a profound change in the things that we set up in our third step. I mean, check it out, man. Like my thinking and my behaviors, that's my will in my life. Those are my thoughts and my actions. And I need that profound change. And you know what that equals is, is that's a, that's a, an awakening of, of my spirit. That's a spiritual awakening, a profound change in my thoughts and my actions. And I just thought that was, it gives me a lot of comfort, man. A lot of hope. It's like, all right, so what's the solution? It's definitely spiritual in nature. All right. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to start digging into me and trying to find out these patterns and these ideas that just fucking don't serve me well. They haven't served me well up until now. So, you know, when 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 I'm kind of diving into this fourth step, and then you know, six and seven, we get to kind of put the magnifying glass on and say, okay, look, which are are currently blocking me off from from my higher power. So I thought that was really cool, man. You know, I, I found a lot of comfort in that. One thing though, I didn't, didn't quite understand in that first paragraph is this part. Uh, you know, like the continuum, I had this continuum. It was like, I was doing these things that the, the old timers told me to do to stay clean because I was afraid of going back to how I was. And then, man, it, it, it was like, it was such a, a beautiful thing when I realized Dude, I'm doing this shit because like I want the life that I have now equally as much as I'm afraid to go back to how I used to live. And here it talks about like, I guess, you know, whether that's motivation or, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. So I guess maybe I understand that. But it did for me, though, man, like it, it just meant a lot for me, like when I could see that, no, man, I want the life that I have in Narcotics Anonymous just as much as I'm afraid of going back to the life I had before. You know, so that was really important for me. So those are the comments I'm going to make. Um, all right, folks, Lisa, would you be willing to introduce yourself and then read the next two, starting with, uh, we may be very frightened. Sure thing. Uh, my name's Lisa. I'm an addict. My clean date is February 25th, 2012. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville, and I attend meetings in the Central Western Pennsylvania area. Good to see everybody tonight. Uh, we may be very frightened at the prospect of examining ourselves so thoroughly. We don't know ourselves very well, and we may not be sure we want to. Our fear of the unknown may seem overwhelming at this point, but if we recall our faith and trust in our higher power, our fear can be overcome. We believe that part of God's will for us is to work the steps. We trust that the final outcome of working the fourth step will be the continued healing of our spirits, and we go on. The principles of recovery that we have already begun to practice are vital to working the fourth step. The honest acceptance of our addiction brought with, brought with us from step one will help us to be honest about other aspects of our addiction. We've developed a level of trust and faith in a power greater than ourselves, and that glimmer of hope we've been feeling is growing with each day clean. We've paved the way to recovery with our willingness, and we find the courage necessary to work the fourth step through living these principles. Um, so I joined a little late. I haven't heard a lot of the sharing already. So forgive me if I'm repeating anything that was already shared, but, um, I remember when I first came into NA hearing people talk about the fourth step. Um, and I had some previous experience with the other fellowship where there was like this joke where they would say one, two, three drink. 
because so many people didn't move on from the third step to the rest of the steps. It's like, Hey, I'm, I'm good. Right. Um, so I had this like preconceived notion and definitely a fear about coming into the fourth step. And I love that, like that first paragraph touches on fear, which is pretty cool for me because like with 11 years clean, I continue working steps. I don't stop working steps, but I'll be totally honest. Like my last like four or five and six probably took me 10 months because I was going through some shit at that time. My marriage was ending and that was causing me to really take a look at my part. You know, I did hear Jen kind of touching on like this inventory is for me. It's so that I can own my reality. And, um, you know, I remember early on a woman where I got clean had told me like, look, you're not fucking special. Um, there's nothing that you can put into this inventory that hasn't already been done and probably worse by someone else. And that's why there's a name for it. That's why you're able to find the words to write this stuff down. And, you know, she taught me like, you've already done it. And probably most of the people around you already know that you've done it. So it's not really like a secret. It's just kind of organizing it for me to see on paper, the reality, um, of like my own inventory. And for me, there was something really healing. Like it really did help me face that fear. Um, because I think like that whole thing about like not knowing myself very well and not being sure that I wanted to, when I got here, I thought for sure I was an expert on myself. And I thought that if you guys really knew me, that you wouldn't love me the way you were saying you did when I got here. Um, or if you knew how fucked up I really was. And then like, I gave, I did my first, like not to get too far ahead, but like I gave my fourth step, my fifth step to my sponsor at the time. And it was like, she loved me even more because of that stuff. Um, and I love how it touches on these, the principles from the first three steps. Um, because like something I've learned is like in doing the fourth step that like the more that reality reveals itself to me in my step work, like the fewer excuses I have to live in my own delusion, right. The fewer excuses I have to live in my disease. Um, like I was taught that just because you're aware of it doesn't mean you don't still have to fix it though. Um, and this step is like really important to revealing some of that stuff to me, but I think on the backside of the fourth step, like the fear, overcoming the fear was also important in the assets section for me, because when I got here, I had a really hard time identifying what was good about me too. Like I, it was really easy for me to pick out how shitty I was. Like I could tell you all day long what sucked about me. Um, but I was also really uncomfortable with getting to know the parts of me that were really great. And I still struggle with that sometimes. Like when I'm in self-pity mode or like my character defects are out front, um, all of my assets tend to kind of take a back seat, but like the hope too, is like that courage piece. Um, because that same sponsor taught me that like, I can only be brave when I'm afraid. And like we say all the time, I do shit scared. Um, so, you know, like I continue to put that stuff through this step and take inventory of that. Um, and with that little bit of willingness, like I get a little bit of freedom. Cause like when I own that shit, it can't be used against me anymore. So with that, I will pass. Thanks for those comments, Lisa. I guess I can always use more reasons to not live in delusion, right? Like, like I need a never fucking ending supply of that stuff. So that's, yeah, that's good. That is another reason to jump into it. What's up, Lee? Yeah, Doug, I'm right there with you. And, and when I first got here, I didn't know anything other than delusion. Um, and I'm sure you guys have heard me say my fear was not of step four, it was step three. Of, of what would I become if I were to trust this, this God thing. Um, 
and and ironically, my first footstep was like War and Peace. It was like this big, huge, freaking brain dump. I don't know, and and that's where I learned that I love to write, and 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 that kind of screwed me up in in a whole different way. Um, and Lisa, I have never heard that before about one, two, three, drinky, drinky, drunky, drunky. I'd never heard that before. But what, but what I did here, what I was told quite frequently early in the, in, the, in the mid to late 80s was that the pain of doing the fourth step was far less than the pain of not doing a fourth step. And, and, and that, and with the sponsor that I had, allowed me into it. Um, and, and it was overwhelming and I was freaking out because it was things I was never gonna write down or tell anyone ever. I was taking this shit to the grave with me and it all, it all came pouring out. Um, there was a part in there you read, the honest acceptance of our addiction that was brought with us from step one. That's the hit right there for me. It helped me to finally try to break through into some honesty about the other aspects of my disease because I thought I was morally deficient. I didn't, it took me a while to, to get the whole disease concept. I thought the behaviors, the, I'm not gonna laundry list the things because the statutes of limitations run concurrent. Um, but I thought those things were what created, <laughs> yeah. Those things created what I was. And, and if I were to reveal those things, no one could ever like me or, or tolerate me. And you guys kept saying, keep coming back. We need you. We love you. And I'm like, what is wrong with these people? You know what I mean? If they knew who I was, if they knew the things I did. And then when I did my, my first four step, my sponsor would go, well, I did that. And that, 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 that. And when he would do the dot, 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 my mouth would just fall open because it was like way beyond uh, some of the things I perpetrated. So I'm gonna leave the listeners with that thought. The pain, the pain of doing this is nothing in comparison to the pain of, uh, of not doing it. And that, that's about three minutes, I'm done. Yeah, you're good, Lee. Thanks for those comments, bro. What's up, Andrew? Um, yeah, I uh, man, I have a lot of idea with uh, with what's been shared so far. Um, when when Lisa was talking, I was really kind of like struck by uh, I guess like the language that I hear sometimes in the rooms, like around the four step, as like this is the boogeyman. Like it, as soon as I look at this stuff, like it's gonna kill me, you know. And kind of like Lisa and like it touches on in the second paragraph in step four about like you know, the nagging feeling that something isn't quite right. Like, I think sometimes I can get lost in like, like I have sat on a fourth step. I just completed a fourth step and I, and I like pumped the brakes, sat in my own shit. And like, it was not super comfortable. Stalling and step work in general does not feel great. Right. <laughs> Especially like in the middle of like hardcore self-analysis, you know, but it, like, I think sometimes like 
sometimes, man, I just think that we build this shit up about like the four step is this really bad thing. And it's not, you know, especially when I look at it with this framework that it talks about in the second paragraph of like, I already have the tools to survive this, right? Like I, I gained the honesty in the first step and the open-mindedness and the willingness and two and three and like some courage and, uh, you know, even like humility, like the humility that it talks about in the NA first step, like I'm already there. You know, um, I just need to put it on paper. Um, and it it's interesting now, I guess the experience of having like a little bit of time doing a four step versus like the first one, which was all about the actions, right? It was those like, those big things of like, this is it. This is the one thing I didn't want to tell anybody, you know, or like, this was the one person that I hurt that I feel just fucking terrible about that I don't think I'm ever going to be able to forgive myself for. Whereas now I'm really concerned about like, what is my pattern of behavior? You know, like, what are those things that I'm leaning into today that like, I just know are not okay, you know, but I'm still kind of doing them. Um, and I can sort of talk about that and, and kind of get into this place of like, you know, change how I perceive the world and alter my role in it. Like, whoa, you know, <laughs> like that's some, that is some real shit. Um, and that's something that I want today, you know, like I want the ability to experience that and to kind of change the way that I show up. So that's what I got. Thanks for his comments, Andrew. Paul, would you be willing to read the next two? I would. <clears throat> Honesty is an essential part of the step. Our years of living a lie must end. If we sit down and become very quiet with ourselves, we will find it easier to get in touch with the truth. What we currently know to be true, we put on paper, holding nothing back. Telling the truth is a brave act, but with our faith and trust in the God of our understanding, we find the courage we need to be searching and fearless. With our courage, we are able to put on paper those things we thought we'd never tell. What is meant by searching and fearless moral inventory? We take stock of our assets and liabilities. We try to get to the bottom of who we are to expose the lies we have told ourselves about ourselves. For years, we became whoever we needed to be to survive our addiction. After living a lifetime of lies, we began, we began to believe those lies. Although we did discover some valuable truths in the first step, the fourth step further separates fantasy from reality. We can begin to stop being the person we had invented and find the freedom to be who we are. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is authenticity at, at, at its core. So I have honesty is uh, honesty, open mindedness, willingness. One, two, three. This is just a deeper dive into it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That was the hard one. Seven humility. Seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, just deepening and deepening and deepening that that um, that waltz of honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. I, I want to go back just to that part about one, two, three, drink. Um, I, I think that there is that thing about the fourth step that becomes a boogeyman. And listen, the sixth step is much harder than the fourth step. Don't be afraid of the fourth step. Um, but anyway, the it's not that hard. It's just, you know, if you have thousands of character defects like me, it takes you a long time to get through it because you have to answer all those five fucking questions to each one of them. It looks short, but it, it's deceiving. So anyway, that's just, I, I, I digress. Um, so 
I, I think what, what happens is that we are so good at deception and delusion, like we talked about earlier, that we will make up shit to get out of this. Oh, you know what? I just finished my third step. This sponsor I have is not working out really well. I probably need to get a new sponsor, you know? And let's see, I, I'll get this new sponsor and he'll want to, he won't want to start on the fourth step. We'll, we'll go back to the beginning. And it's really just kind of that little innocuous kind, kind of subterfuge that we play with ourselves to sabotage ourselves. And it seems real. It seems valid. It's not working. I need to get a new sponsor. And then all of a sudden we're back on one and we're doing that one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And so I, look, if you're listening and you're there, we love you. You're not the first, nor will you be the last, but push through, push through this. You know, get something on paper. And the other thing, um, in inventory, I do an inventory every 28 days at the place I work. I count every single uh, bottle of wine, every single piece of food, every tenderloin, everything in the restaurant is counted every 28 days. I don't go, oh, I'm a bad manager. Oh, I don't think I want to do this. I don't really want to. I count it no matter what. And what happens is once I put it down all, all down on paper, I can make decisions about where I'm headed and where the business is headed for the maximum amount of happiness, profit, whatever the thing that I'm wanting to get out. So all we're doing here is putting something on paper so that we can make educated decisions about how we want to move forward in our lives. It's not to get you. It's not to go, look, look what you did, you piece of shit. It's, it's to get something on paper so that we can finally be enough. Our assets and our liabilities, and we're enough. Because that's the whole thing is we, we spent our lives not being enough. That's why we have to lie so that we can prop ourselves up to be enough with the lies. And this step says, stop it. Stop lying. Tell the truth and you will be enough. And that's the gift of the fourth step. For the first time in my life, I was able to tell the truth about what I'd done, who I was, my good and my bad. And I was enough. And I knew I was enough because when I shared it with people and when I heard people share theirs with me, I knew we were alike. And the disease of isolation and the disease of being the only one on earth who thought, felt, did those things was gone. And I was in a room and I was with people who were like me and had thought, felt, and done all those things. And it was the first time I felt connected to the world. So if you're struggling with this, this is not to get you. This is not, oh, we want to find out how, what a piece of shit you really are. We just want you to know that you're among like-minded people who've done all the same things that you're writing about. And you're not alone. Thanks. Thanks for those comments. Pause again, fired up as you were speaking, man. I was like, this is the perfect time for us to really put 
you know, like put down the bat, pick up the feather. Like if there was ever a time, you know, it, it, it's this process, man. And I've been real fortunate, you know, to have received a lot of fifth steps and, uh, and, 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 you know, and that's another thing, like we'll, we'll talk about that here in a couple of weeks, you know, whenever we jump in, because I really, I really think that we missed the mark a little bit on, on, on teaching folk, you know, how to receive a, a fourth and a fifth step, you know, because that's equally as important is, is like, you know, getting the shit down on paper and kicking it to somebody, you know, and how to receive it. But, um, but man, I would reflect and it's like my experience and in, in giving my, giving mine up and then receiving has been like, there's three buckets. There's just three fucking areas, man, where, where there's so much fear about like telling somebody else. And it's all, it, it's all around abuse, neglect, and sex. It's those, and sometimes those are overlapping areas, you know, and, and, and all that, but abuse, neglect, and sex. And, and, and it, and it's always the same. And we're always thinking like, you know, they're not going to relate. My shit's too fucked up, this and that. And it, Usually isn't, man. You know, usually isn't, and, and we'll read here in a couple paragraphs, man. It's just fucking freedom from the trap, like you were talking about, Paul. So yeah, so the folks listening, you know, if you're if you're hung up on any area of neglect or abuse or sex, we're right there with you. We'll fucking like Lisa said, you ain't unique. Write this shit down and keep it moving. What's up, Christine? When I was listening to Paul, I was like, "Ooh, I need to put my hand down because." <laughs> be the devil's advocate here um my first four step y'all um I hate to even say this out loud sometimes because I always feel some sense of shame like there's some judgment there but it took me four and a half years to do my first four step so when Paul said war and peace I'm like hey that's that's me too because um in this paragraph what really jumps out at me is honesty is an essential part of the step when I worked my first four step, um, when I started my first four step, the step working guide wasn't out yet. We had, you know, a list of questions that was in chronological order and you start with early childhood and you move on to adolescence. And, um, you know, I'm an incest survivor and my abuse started at five years old. So like by the third question, I'm in the throes of my deepest core issues and secrets that I had carried all my life. And I was just like, felt like I had my finger in a light socket and I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I did not have enough faith and courage at that time um, in early recovery to tackle these beasts. So I really put the pen down and I just... um I had to gain the courage and it took me probably four or five months to, to be honest enough to tell my sponsor that I can't do it this way. Like I can't, is there another way? Because I can't start here. Um, like I'm scared I'm gonna blow my brains out. You know, like I can't. And then I felt like a bad addict because I wasn't doing it the way everybody else did it you do it this way or you die motherfucker you know and I was like it can't switch it up just for me um but I was able to be honest with her and say I need to work this step or I'm gonna die <laughs> I'm guaranteed to lose my sanity if I don't work it um but I can't do it the way that it is written here and um and she 
said, okay, let's do this, you know, and she picked out questions. And then we would, I couldn't wait until the end either. It took me four and a half years. I mean, the fourth step, I have so much to unpack on that because it took me so long to do it, but I like, it led me to seek professional help to heal broken pieces of me that I couldn't do. I didn't feel safe to do a Narcotics Anonymous. Like I needed outside help with some of that stuff. Um, so that had a lot to do with why it took me so long. But people used to judge me when I would say that, you know, how long it took me to do a four step. They're like, oh my God, you know, you should be so much farther than where you are with the amount of time that you have. And, and I carried that for a long time. And then when I finished it, I was like, I needed every goddamn second of that four and a half years to know that my shit was done. Like that first four step freed me in a way that we'll talk about <laughs> um, in the upcoming paragraphs. But uh, for me, it was just about finding the courage to ask for what I needed from the woman who was supposed to be guiding me. And the fact that she still loved me because I couldn't do it the way I thought I was supposed to. And we found a solution to keep me moving forward. Um, so I, I really, I needed to put that out there because that was, that was the honesty and courage for me at this phase of the step in my first four step um, for anybody else out there who might be struggling, you know, it's okay to ask for what you need. So that's what I got. Hey, thanks for your transparency, Christine. Appreciate that. What's up, Paul? I just uh, thank you for sharing that, Christine, all of that. Um, yeah, there's not there's not a right or wrong way to do this, except not do it. You know what I mean? At some point, we're all going to have to do it. And it, it happens in the time that it's supposed to happen if we don't get high. That's the main thing. And the great news is uh, our collective... Smartness has moved that to the end of the fourth step now with a big caveat in writing, if you if you haven't read it yet, that says, you don't have to do this section right now. You can do it later. You can keep moving in the steps. And you get to decide when you can deal with this. So thank God we've learned from, from you, Christine, how to do this. You know, not jam it down somebody's throat because we're not we're not abuse counselors. We're not, we don't, everybody does it in there, however they, they need to do it. And so I, 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 I'm glad you didn't put your hand down. We need to hear that. So thanks. Thanks for those comments, Paul. I was just in, in Minnesota a couple of days ago. Um, Jennifer and I, we, we, we went to this meeting, um, uh, went to a couple of different NA meetings there at this clubhouse, but it was, it was, I think the thing is, it was there since 42, I think, or something like this. And there's a couple of rooms are like they're roped off. They're, they're, they're turned into like, um, like historical rooms and stuff like that, you know, original shit like that. And then uh, the, the one plaque on the top of the room, this is, this is for interviewing new prospects to, to recovery. And it's in, you know, it, it, it was a, it was an AA um, uh, room. And like the history behind that is like, you know, the new prospect would come in and they would dump it out. Like they would, they would fist step, you know, right there uh, before the sun goes down. And then, then, you know, they would get assigned a sponsor and all that stuff. Bro, I'm kind of glad that, that, you know, 
I don't know if I like like now like coming in. I, I'd much rather have it how I got it, where they just said, "Look, just shut the fuck up and get in," you know. And and I was like, "Okay, you know, I could do that." <laughs> if I got hit with, "Hey, look, we're going to interview you, man. Let let let's do that." I'm like, "Oh fuck, I'm fucked. I ain't passing shit." You know, I don't. Am I going to be able to pass this test or not? So I just thought I wanted to throw that. Christine, coming to you for for one final final comment on these two, and then Jane, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. roll with the with the two. Okay. Just real quick, um, I wanted to say that because it took me so long to do my fourth step, we didn't wait till the end for me to do my fifth step. Like we worked the fourth and fifth in conjunction with the, each other, so it was piecemeal. I would do a section and then we'd go over it. So it was like I baby stepped through the whole thing. But I just wanted to make sure there wasn't some misconception out there. Because if I had to hold all that shit in while I was working on it for four and a half years, yeah, I wouldn't be here today. So, yeah, fourth and fifth at the same time. All right. Thanks, Christine. Jane, can you roll with us for the next two? Yeah, can you refresh me where we're at? I've been so intense on it. I've lost on everybody's talking. I've forgotten where the hell we were. Yeah, we're at the, <laughs> we're at the bottom of 38. <laughs> at the bottom yep. of 38, right. the word more right. bothers us. All right. If the word moral bothers us, we have found that talking with our sponsor about our reservations can ease our discomfort. A moral inventory doesn't mean that we will condemn ourselves. In reality, the inventory process is one of the most loving things we can do for ourselves. We simply look at our instincts, our desires, our motives, our tendencies, and the compulsive routines that kept us trapped in our addiction. No matter how many days or how many years we've been clean, we are still human and subject to defects and failings. An inventory allows us to look at our basic nature with its flaws and its strengths. We look not only at our imperfections, but also at our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, and where they've gone astray. Step four is a big step forward on the path of recovery. Some of us may want to write our inventory all at once. Others spend some time writing each day. Anytime we sit down to write, we ask our higher power for the courage and honesty we need to be thorough and to reveal what we are searching for. In most cases, we are relieved to find that once we begin, the words seem to flow naturally. We need not worry about what we are writing. Our higher power will reveal no more to us than we can handle. Well, long, long ago, when God had hair, and we didn't have a whole bunch of written out stuff, <laughs> um, we borrowed a lot from uh, our sister program. And uh, and I got to tell you, my first four step was done on the back of an envelope uh, in a clubhouse, drinking coffee with a lady that I had no clue who she was, um, because I was crying and dying over a particular situation that I was living in at that moment. And she said, look, step four. And, uh, and we wrote it out. And what she was honed in on is my attitudes, my thinking, my emotions, and how that set me up for hurt and con condemnation and rejection. And, uh, I will forever be grateful to that lady. I don't know who she is, and I don't think I've ever seen her since, um, because it got me to knowing that these are the tools for survival instead of the tools I came in with. 
that they're not a project that you complete and get your little gold star and go forth for a couple of more years before you try it again. Um, that they're the tools to survive. Um, that insight on the previous paragraphs they were talking about on what my thought patterns are, what my emotions are. I lived a lie. I dreamed a lie. I talked a lie. I prayed a lie. Uh, I had lost the ability to tell the difference between reality and fantasy. And, uh, and I needed people in my life to help me see clearly what the reality was because I wasn't going to necessarily come up with it by myself. Um, and so I don't think four steps, although we're talking about this here, I, I got to tell you, my experience is in the beginning, in my four steps were little piecemeal stuff. Uh, and, uh, and like was talked about a little earlier, um, there were areas in my life that I was unwilling to talk about with anybody uh, and because of my own fears, because of my own guilts and shame around them. And, uh, and I was surrounded by people who allowed me to do that, who allowed me to talk about what it is. And, uh, uh, and <laughs> I think that uh, I, I was one of the younger people around at the time. And so I think I was kind of babysat a little bit too, to get through some of that. And, uh, and I got to tell you, the four steps that have come afterwards were more into the insight uh, of the thoughts and uh, uh, and more and more strongly God-centered because I didn't want anything to do with God when I got here. So uh, some of this about being uh, honest and praying, um, uh, I didn't do. I wasn't interested in doing that. But what I was interested in doing is not using, not picking up. And that fear guided me to go even further and further. Uh, and I'm so glad for the ladies that, that kind of just guided me along. I think that uh, the sponsor or the person that you're choosing to talk to um, is, is very important to be able to kind of listen to what you're saying and maybe give you a little nudges to one, one thing or another. So one more thing, and I'll shut up because I'm sure my three minutes are getting there, is... Um, you know, they say this on more than one paragraph here, and they do a little bit more uh, further on, is we're real good on the liabilities, but we don't hone an awful lot on assets. And I think that that can be really important in even helping me go forward. Because there are some days when I'm looking and I'm, I've got a whole lots of red and not a lot of black on my little list of, of uh, the day, daily thoughts and actions. And I need to also know that I have some assets in my life too. And that the things that I used to do, even if I'm still repeating them, it doesn't go as far or as deep or as bad. And so there's always that progress going on. And um, and I, I guess I didn't know that we were supposed to like, you know, know pre-read, pre-game stuff. I, I got left out of that memo, but um, I've heard two people mention it today. So um, in the future, I'm going to pre-game it. I am going to come prepared. That's enough out of me. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Jane. Lisa's supposed to text everybody and remind and remind everyone to pregame. So she's fucking coming in late this week, not not telling people to pregame. So anyway, and uh <laughs> but Jane, I, I want I want to I want to hit you real quick with a question and then Jen and Barb, I got you you folks on deck. So two thoughts. One, I'm glad that, that you said that about how the assets are important even early on. I mean I've always looked at like the asset part is kind of like useless until a little bit further, you know, in the process, because my, I, 
like I couldn't form any assets. I just didn't see myself in in that light, you know, and it took a long time. And like, I felt like anything that I would, would you know, would have said would probably just been like kind of bullshit from, you know, just from, you know, like from my perspective, the fuck, the, the guys who, who, who took me through and showed me the deal, they didn't give a fuck all about any assets I had to bring. They just, it wasn't part of, you know, it wasn't part of those first few years. But my question to you is this, like the, the ladies you work with now, do you take them through the the step working guide or do you rock and roll with them kind of like the, the format that you had then? If they're brand new, mm-hmm. if they're brand new, I do not take them through the step study guide. No, no. If they're brand new. I use how and why, which is what we're doing right here. And I've got it outlined certain sections that are for the new people and certain sections that are for the oldsters. And that's what it says. Oldsters. Um, it's only if they've uh, been around for a while that I take them through the step study. And my rule is I'm not doing this unless you're doing 10 questions a week, 10 questions a week. We'll meet every week and we'll talk about it. 10 questions a week, because otherwise it's like never ending forever and ever. So those, I do it different with different people. Yeah. Hey, Paul, do you care if I say what you just said? <laughs> just message me saying you're not brand new because look when <laughs> when paul started sponsoring me i was like you know we started talking about like what step work looks like and i was like man fucking i ain't doing the flat book i just ain't doing it i ain't doing fuck it, i'm not answering 45 questions on the same thing and, and, and over and over again and uh but we're doing it now but we're doing it now so, that, so that's <laughs> but but jade i i think uh, uh I agree, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, that's good. Jennifer, what's up? That not step working guy, man, I'll tell you. I, I guess as an oldster, long time or whatever you want to call it, I, I you know, when I when I did my four step, you know, we had the basic text and I worked out the big book and the basic text and my sponsor took it and kind of figured it out. We mushed it together, but I was doing columns, you know what I mean? And it's in a binder. And if I always laugh about this, the binder that I did my step work in was my brother's social studies binder that I stole out of his room so that I could put binder paper in it. And it's still, I still have it. It says my brother's name, social studies and period blank. Like I clearly was not well and I needed to work some steps if I was stealing his school supplies. But, um, but anyway, uh, you know, I, the word moral was a really yucky word for me when I when I started doing this. And, and I just want to say this because, um, you know, I came in here for the shame, you know, the guilt and the, and the yuck from, you know, most of it was sexual behavior for me. You know, um, I spent a big portion of my using career in a blackout until I figured out I could use drugs to prevent the blackout. And so I would have these flashbacks of things that happened to me at 15 and 16 years old that really, in you know, like no 15 and 16 year old should be doing. And um, we, um, we, we had to like slowly go through it with my sponsor. And I, and I looked this up um, <clears throat> on moral because this was what she did for me was really try to define for me like sometimes people's morals are their standards, right? Like I'm always, I try to live my life living through other people's standards and that doesn't always work for me. It doesn't work for anybody. I don't think, you know, it's a choice. And so I look at this definition, a person's standards of behavior, beliefs concerning what is and is not acceptable for them to do, right? And so my sponsor taught me 
what that looked like for me. And over time and over the years, that's ebbed and flowed and changed to where, you know, when I cut clean, stealing was still okay. Um, you know, and I used to go to the store and steal things that I wanted because I didn't have any money because I just got clean and I have a job, right? So, so over time, slowly but surely, those things changed. And, you know, the first real, you know, big inventory I did, what I was the most afraid of was all the family that I stole from and all the people that I had sex with, you know, and, and, and if, and there were things that came up after that four step, just so everybody knows, like, sometimes you don't cover everything. I don't remember everything, you know, and things would come back as I got clean a little bit on be like, oh, you know, fuck, like this again, you know, but, um, but my reality was, is that I, if I would have continued to live in somebody else's moral, you know, circle, um, I would have chased myself out of the room. And I'm really grateful that my sponsor taught me that I didn't have to do that, you know, that I had to like work through all this stuff. And, and she used to always say like, we'll do it now and figure the rest out later, right? That was something she used to tell me because I was always like 10 steps ahead of her with a hundred questions of well, what, why are we doing this? What happens next? And what if, and what if she's like, well, let's just do it now. We'll figure it out later. Fucking genius, right? Okay. I mean, I tell my kids that sometimes now, still 30 years later, you know? Um, but I think that was just really important for me to stop condemning myself and realize that, um, you know, I have a disease. I'm not a bad person. I did some crazy ass shit, you know, but I've done some crazy ass shit in recovery too, you know, and I had to, you know, recently I went back and did that kind of, um, about a couple of years ago, I went back and did that really quick format that I did with my sponsor with the columns and everything with somebody in recovery, you know, um, and we met every week, you know, and it took me about 14 weeks to finish, you know, 12 steps because I was in a bind. I was, you know, in the middle of a divorce. I was trying to work on my relationships and I you know, went to this person. And I was like, I need to hash this out, figure out where I am so I can manage myself because I'm too worried about everybody else. And, uh, and we did that, you know, and, and, and I'm grateful. And I just want to say it's like, we have literature and we have ways that people have done this over history and time. I'm so grateful we have the ability to work these steps in what seems like, you know, thousands of different ways, you know. Um, and, and, and the last thing I'll say, and I don't know, I'll shut up, is, you know, this line, it says, no matter how many days or how many years we have been clean, we are still human and subject to the defects and failings. And and that has been key for me. And even more recently with my sponsor of a lot of the things that I suffer from today, I still have the disease of addiction, but some of it's just being human, right? Like I'm a human being. And, and, and often I'm so focused on what's wrong with me that I'm not paying attention to what I'm good at or, or what's good about me. And so I have to find this, this fine line of, I can work on myself, but I can also really pay attention to my assets. And, and use those, you know, um, and and that's been a really beautiful experience to realize I'm not this broken little girl that walked in here. Like I am a recovering addict who continues to walk down the path. And I'm a grown up today. I don't feel like it a lot, but I'm grown up today, and I do grown up stuff that I couldn't imagine doing when I got here. So, but I know I've talked too long, so I'll pass thanks. Thanks for his comments, Jennifer. What's up, Barb? Hey, Douglas, a lot of stuff's been going through my head when Christine was talking. You know, when I came in, 
I came in through, a, it's a woman intervention services and education. It was called WISE. And, it was, and, it, and I got in that and I was lucky because they had a therapist. So I got in therapy right away. And I needed that because I came from the streets turning tricks. I came from an abusive relationship. I had this little baby, you know, well, I was pregnant, I guess, when I came, when I, when I was five months pregnant. And, and, um, and I had horrendous guilt because my first son who died from cancer in 79, I had abandoned and neglected. And, and, you know, there's some stuff like Christine said, I needed therapy. There's some stuff we're not equipped to handle that I direct women to therapy or something, you know, because I'm just not, I'm not equipped to, um, to handle that. I can share my experience, strength and hope. And that was monumental in my recovery. If I couldn't have dealt with the guilt from my son, it would have took me back out, you know, and been able to try to find some semblance of forgiveness for myself, you know, and, um, there's a lot in here. I love what Jen said. That's what I was going to say. Moral, it's my morals. It's not your morals. I came from the streets. My morals might be a little rougher around the edges. And I'm not talking about stealing and lying. I'm talking about, you know, behaviors and stuff. What's morally acceptable to me might not be to you, to Miss Susie Etiquette, you know, but that's okay. You know, I didn't ever try to drink like a lady either. Never, never wanted to, you know, and standards. I learned that my standards are for me. They're not for you. I went through a time when I wanted to impose my standards on you and that doesn't work. They're not for you, you know? And um, I like to couple this, a couple things in here. Um, in, in reality, the inventory process is one of the most loving things we can do for ourselves. It has been so spiritually, it's almost like a high sometimes. I've been in therapy sitting and thinking, this is that step. And it's almost like a drug looking at myself and being honest. And I guess the self-worth I get from that, you know, from, and the humility, you know, that, that it, um, so it really is, it has become the most loving thing I could do. And we talked about assets and liabilities. Um, the, the first time I did the steps, I did them in the other fellowship and they don't look at assets. They're like, you don't have no assets. You, you used everybody, you hurt everybody, you know? And it's so valuable when I came in here in the flat book and did the assets here to look at my assets too, you know? And now with my girls, I do that, you know? And, and, um, you know, I just, I was, I was saying, I just did a step in Al-Anon and, and it asked about um, who, you, who you're doing this step with, what assets do they have? And I was able to name all these assets of that lady. And then when we, when I did it with her, she said, how many of them assets do you have? I had every one of them and didn't even see it. Didn't even see it. But she pointed out that I had every asset that I, that I liked that I saw in her, you know? So it's things like that, that, that the light bulb goes off the epiphanies, you know, because it, it, it was hard for me to find any assets many times in there. I would sit down and, you know, and it would just be hard. And, um, and we simply look at our instincts. You know, most of the stuff I thought I was, I was going to find this horrible monster the first time I did four step. I did. I was, I was just knew I was, you know, and it wasn't like that at all, you know, and, and it is just even now six and seven are so humbling to me. And like Paul said, doing the columns, all in questions, the last time, the last one I did was so revealing and, and humbling. But it's just looking at looking at patterns, looking at me, looking at my instincts. And what I've learned about character defects is they're they're um, they're they're just they're just um, assets out of balance. Most of them, you know, they're just they're just character traits that I've taken to this extreme or this extreme, you know. And it's just about getting them back in balance. And um, 
let's see, I think that was, that's most of what I, what I had. Um, and, and, you know, the, the four step has just been, it's been monumental in my recovery and looking at myself and, and being honest with myself and um, finding out who I am. We find the freedom to be who we are. We begin to step, stop being the person we have invented and find the freedom to be who we are. That's what I've got through the four step. First, I figured out who I was because I had no clue. I started using as a child, had no clue who I was, you know, and then I get to be, you know, I just had a girl attack me, you know, because here's what I've learned going to Al-Anon. I've learned when I do a boundary, I'm a bitch. If I tell you the truth, I'm mean, <laughs> you know, and what I got to do is be able to decipher that, you know, and, and, and look at this girl said, you're, you're mean. She said all these things about me. And I talked to my Al-Anon sponsor and my sponsor and I looked at myself and saw if any of that fit, you know, and then, you know what, I'm able to be who I am, you know, yeah, I can be pretty forthright, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you like it is, but that's okay with me. That's who I am today. And I'm okay with that. And, and what this said about, we can be, who we have the freedom to be who we are. I don't have to be that chameleon anymore. I can always look at myself and try to be kinder and try to, you know, try to uh, amend my behavior or see where I want to tweak it. But today I am who I am, you know, and, and that's, that's a, a variety of shit. You know, there's a little bit of street barb. There's this kind, loving person. When she said that, I know I'm not mean. I know that I'm not. I love, I love so much, you know, I'm that little girl that was so passionate and loved and wanted to be loved. And that's who my core is. I know that through the steps today, you know, now street Barb comes out, she, she shows her head, you know, but that's who I am too. I love her too, you know? So, you know, and I've learned all that through the four step, you know, through the four step and, and through doing the steps and doing them. And that's so awesome, you know, so thanks. Thanks for those comments, Barb. And we love street Barb too. All of us do, man. That's you know, much love to Street Barb, and and, and you know, really, the, 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 this week, man, has really, or this episode tonight, is really just a, I mean, it's such a perfect picture of, we have different experiences, you know, navigating through the steps and just different you know, approaches and 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 all that, and maybe some different interpretations, but and boils it down, it's like, hey, look, man, we're on the path to an awakening of our spirit and committed to staying clean, no matter what happens. It's fucking beautiful, man. It's like my spirit really feels, you know, really feels full so folks. Thanks for listening. Um, you know, just like, just like the previous episodes, if, if, uh, if you know somebody that this can be a resource, uh, for please, uh, please get it to them, you know, and then, and then reach out to us and allow us to connect with you. We love you folks. Hey, thank you for spending some time with us and walking on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so and reach out to us. There's a podcast number, there's a Facebook page, um, and you probably um, have contacted one of the squad already. Continue to do so. Pour into us, allow us to be filled up, and that way we can continue to pour into you. I love you, folks.